stripped away all the infected flesh, leaving just bone. But why is the bone so black? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Podquisition. I'm your host, your friend, your guide through all that is. Uh, it was a, such a good sentence, and then I ran out of steam. I'm sorry. Uh, I am a shit podcast host, but my name is Jim Sterling, and I'm joined by someone who is a lot less shit than I am. Hello, Laura. Hello, how are you doing this week? Oh, fantastic. Uh, I fell asleep uh, very, very shortly before we uh, recorded. So I am slightly dazed, but I think I'm holding it together. I don't think anyone's noticed. I had a daytime nap today, and then I woke up slightly groggy as well. I am now hopped up on Vimto and buzzing about ready to do a show. Fan-fucking-tastic. Gavin! Fan-fucking-tastic indeed. How are you, Gavin? I'm pretty good too, for someone with black bones. There we go. Everyone's fine. It must be their, you know, all these sick burns you're giving me, Jim. Oh, (laughs) oh, oh! I mean, I won't say I'm as good as the official Sonic the Hedgehog account, but I'm I'm trying. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's it's a week, is it? A hell of a week. It's been a hell of a lot of things and stuff is happening. We 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 had a good. 15 minutes of chat before the show started where we were like, oh yeah, we should probably actually, you know, record a program yeah. at some point. Yeah, I feel like we've we've used up all of our energy on not recording, so... Well, we use up all of our energy on talking about stuff that we're not publicly allowed that to talk about. Now we've just got all this, like, quiet, calm, like, oh, let's subdued come into the news. So is there anything that's particularly pumping you up this week, Jim, that you're like, I, I need to talk I wonder, about this. I wonder, let me think. Oh yeah! Oh yeah, 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 let's talk about Konami, they're filling me with the vinegar. Like, I've got so much vinegar and boiled piss inside me that I'm just a walking boiled piss and vinegar factory right now. Uh, so let's, let's, <laughs> let's cut open a small fissure <laughs> in any part of my body and let that high-pressure piss and vinegar come right out and spray right in Konami's face. My ears are open, ready to accept your piss and vinegar. I might get an ear infection, but I think it's, it's going to be worth it. it. Well, the piss... Well, they're both sterilizing agents, so I think you're okay. Plus, they're boiled. So, if I get any of my piss and vinegar into your ear holes, then I think you'll be fine. Don't get you, it in your you eyes. You should piss on my wound, Jim. After all this time, this may actually be the solution it needs. I will bear that in mind for continuity next week. Mm. So... Let's talk about Konami. So, Metal Gear Solid 5 reviews have gone up. Well, I say they've gone up. Some of them have gone up. The special classes have gone up. The the, the upper echelon have gone up. The privileged. Our masters. Our great masters (laughs) who are above us in stature. The ones who we uh, are not fit to pick at the breadcrumbs left in their shadow. Uh, Praise be... To the exclusive reviewers who went to boot camps. <laughs> so, I don't even know where to begin with this. Uh, reviews went up. They all seemed positive. I don't think anyone doubted they would be. Uh, mm. I don't doubt mm. that the people who have said they love Metal Gear Solid 5 fucking love Metal Gear Solid 5. I don't doubt that when I play it, I'm going to fucking love Metal Gear Solid 5. But let's talk about boot camps to start off with. Now, before we start, I'm going to point out one of the places that has a review up currently is Destructoid. I don't know if they went to the boot camp. I must assume they went to the boot camp. I know nothing beyond that they had a review and that they liked it and that I trust their opinion. Now that's out the way, <laughs> onward we go. Right. Well, I mean, I will say, you know, I've, I've worked... Well, Chris Carter worked as um, worked alongside me when I was reviews editor at Destructoid yeah. and he's obviously 
reviews editor now. I trust the guy. Uh, he said he put 100 hours in. Now, he may have a copy in that case because according to the boot camp's restrictions, 100 hours would not be possible because they... You had to... You could get, I think, 40 hours in a day if you didn't stop for a luxurious shit. Like, it was a few days, and you went in, and you just played and played and played and played. Really not an ideal environment at all to review a game in. In fact, it Uh, sounds like the kind of environment that would discourage a reviewer from enjoying the game, which is they might otherwise. I have only ever reviewed a a video game in that kind of time frame once, and it was, um, I received... I received a copy of Nino Kuni, which takes about 40 hours to complete, 48 hours before the embargo wow. lifted. This was at home. I played 40 hours of that game with minimal sleep, wrote a review and hit the embargo. <laughs> I appreciated the game being good, but I had to fight my urge to swear at the game all the time for making me play it. So, like, there is something to be said for boot camps turning you off of a game. Now, I like... I, I'm fairly unique in, a, in that way and that I, I love high pressure situations like that and some of my most fond gaming memories are me playing a game with an embargo looming um just because i enjoy working under pressure like that so for me it's kind of fun the actual idea of having to play metal gear solid for like 12 hours straight uh it, it doesn't upset me that that kind of i i like the the prospect of that and i, I may end up doing that from home anyway um, for me, I think, I think most people who get the game day one will do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's not so much the issue, but they were probably put up in a nice hotel as well, uh, fed and watered, all that. Um, and and review events in general are just shitty ways to review games. Now, twelve mm. hours straight at home in my normal gameplay environment, where I can get up and walk around, go for a luxurious shit if I want. Dr- Drink a lovely, you know, decaffeinated coffee on the side in my own have chair. Have a wank when you decide that you're like, this is getting a bit too much. I'm going to have a yeah, wank. Refresh you know, myself. You can do that if you out, want in that quick setting. Wank, pop back, which is very good for Metal Gear Solid. Because I'll tell you what, I was playing Metal Gear Solid 3 once. Really, doing really bad at it. Like, I was in that bit uh, where you've got to put the C4 in the place where the Shagahod is. And I couldn't get through it. Like, kept getting killed. It was a really bad performance. Stopped. Um... Someone gave me a hand jibber uh, while, like, while it, the game was paused. Went back to it. Headshots, headshots, headshots. C4, C4, C4. So if you can ever get a hand job uh, while you're playing a Metal Gear Solid game, I highly recommend it because it just ups your game. Like, I, I want to say 110%. So that's what I want, you know. And something tells me Konami, being as stingy as they are, wouldn't give me a hand job if I was at one of their boot camps. They're just the kind of unprofessional, disrespectful publishers that would not give Jim fucking Sterling's son a quick handy when requested. So, fuck them for that. Complete, uh, like, side note update here. I've just had a look at the update on Chris's review. His his review, which he gave a 9 out of 10 on Destructoid, was based on a retail build of the game provided by the publisher, and he did not attend the review event. Yes, that makes... Which I think is really interesting. I had heard that, like, a handful got it. Like, like we're talking... I'm I'm really curious now, because, like... A minuscule handful. It's interesting that some outlets are being trusted with code and others are being forced to the boot camp. Yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, if I were told that your alternatives, if I, if I was one of the ones who went to the boot camp, like we know Games Radar did and, and some others. Yeah. If I were told that 
there were some that got a copy, but you had to go there and there was no other alternative. I'd be pretty offended by that. Like that, that, that's somewhat offensive. Um, but anyway, um, I've done one review event in my history mm. and it, it, I will never do another one. Because it's it's not they, an they are not pleasant. It's not it's not a way to review a game. You never get to see enough of it. You can't concentrate on the game properly because you're usually surrounded by a bunch of other people. PR down your neck. Yeah. People trying to bother you all the time. Um, mm. And it's not it's not your natural playing environment. I feel like it's one of it's one of those stupid things that like even even just like preview length that is not a good environment to experience a video game in because like. Even when you're just doing like two or three hours of a game, you've still got like the looming thought in your mind of, oh, that person's further than me. Are they going to get more out of it? Like, oh, what are they mm-hmm. doing? Why haven't I done that? And Plus they're going to be conversing amongst themselves, which is going to color their opinion as well. Yes. it's You either discuss amongst yourselves or you spend four days with headphones on paying no attention to anyone. And that's really depressing. Yes. And I think and then... as well, this whole idea of like um, this personal face-to-face interaction between the journalist and the developer. Like I've never been to a review event, but I've been to a couple of like other types of events where publishers will bring a load of journalists and kind of spoil them and buy them a load of drinks and stuff. I'm like, these are people who are expected to be objective about your product. <laughs> like it's, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. And it's like, I it's... don't, I generally trust that people can, you know, keep some of that, that keep a, a shall we say, a, a dissonance between... Professional a divide. Professional divide uh, between, you know, yeah. talking to a developer in a casual environment and reviewing a game. Uh, what I mm. feel is a bigger issue is how extravagant some of these review events can be mm. um, to the point where that divide is going to get muddled. Like, for instance, yeah. when Call of Duty, I forget which one it was. It was, it may have been Black Ops or Modern Warfare 3. Um, one of, the, around that period, one of the Call of Duty games had people get a free helicopter ride to the event where they got their own special uh, helicopter helmets with their game tag emblazoned on it and uh, yeah. put them up in a really swanky yeah. hotel. Now, the issue with that, um, aside from just how fucking pointlessly expensive it is, um, is yeah. when and you yet think they can't back afford on the game, fucking dedicated servers. No, yeah. <laughs> but the problem with that is when you think back on the game, it's hard to divorce the game from the experience you played it in. So your mind, yeah. even if it's subconscious, is nonetheless uh, marrying your positive feelings of the event overall with the game mm. itself. And you know, yeah. there's a reason why they're not putting you in a helicopter just for a laugh. There's a reason for it, and it's that subtle psychological manipulation, or in, indeed, in the case of a fuck-off helicopter, not so subtle. <laughs> uh, marrying, yeah. they're trying to like, mal- I, like blur your thoughts together in that way. Yeah, like I, I can pin- pinpoint like a specific example recently where I had to turn down covering a game because I turned up to a preview event and was misled into how much of it would be previewing the game and how much would then be tra- be them trying to wine and dine me um and i'm not afraid to say which one it was it was a game called um block and load which was basically like it's jagex who are the runescape people and it's like a multiplayer um arena shooter that's also kind of minecraft-esque um and they invited me and they were like oh yeah we'll send a taxi to pick you up and do the like four hour drive to where the review events Mm -hmm. happening Mm -hmm. and i turn up of the nine hours i was at this event 
um, and obviously stuck there because they'd sorted my transport, um, I spent half an hour actually playing the game, which was enough time for one and a half like matches, roughly. The rest of the day was spent playing paintball. <laughs> and... I refused to preview that game because I was like, you know what? And actually, even worse than that, at the end, they were like, here is your block and load laptop bag and your block and load memory stick. And here is your um, camera footage from your helmet of the paintball you played. And here is your umbrella that has block and load all over it. And here is. Yeah, they don't want they don't want your opinion on the game at that point. They want you to put together a presentation. But, you know, something felt really dodgy. And I was just like, you know what? I can't divorce my thoughts on the tiny slice of the game I saw from the rest of this, that day. This, I will take your stuff and I'm not writing about you. This controversial kind of question, though, has also, <clears throat> it's expanded out from the traditional media now into YouTube as well. There's a, a yeah, kind of yeah. a controversy at the moment. And there are certain YouTubers who kind of, they they are game players in inverted commas, but they're also kind of cheerleaders for certain publishers and get you know paid to do it. But the problem is that they don't disclose that they've been paid. Yeah. Well, there's a great example for that, which was earlier this year. Um, the UK finally changed their laws regarding what they consider um, like promoted advertisement, um, particularly towards children in like video content. And for a glorious 48 hours, Yogg's cast on their videos had to have like big on the thumbnail promoted video written in big text on the thumbnail if the video was like paid for or promoted in some way. Every single video they had for that 48 hours had that on the wow. thumbnail until they found a loophole and got around it. But there's a glorious 48 hours of their videos you can find that just have promoted content, oh. promoted content, promoted content. And you suddenly realise, oh, this shit is really pervasive in this industry oh, yeah, and it's... it's never fucking talked about how pervasive it is. Yeah, and I think it it's it's funny that like game like gamers tend to get very cross over this stuff, but you don't really see that rage so much at uh, being directed at YouTubers. And I think I think that's an issue because they're not journalists. <coughs> I mean, that's it. They they talk about how they're just entertainers, and there's some fairness to that. But um, I mean, me and Slow Beef and Total Biscuit did a, a podcast discussion earlier in the week or last week. I forget. I, my, the days blur for me. Um, and and this was the thing about um, MGS. Yeah, and we all kind of agreed yeah. that whether you're an entertainer or not, you have um, just as much of a responsibility to disclose when your opinions being influenced by something because it doesn't matter whether you're a journalist, whether you're an entertainer, YouTuber, whatever. You're a trendsetter, you're a tastemaker, especially if you're a damn powerful YouTuber. You have more sway over what a customer does with their money than any shit muncher writing for some game blog somewhere, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a really terrifying thing because, like, this is something that, like, law in North America and the UK just completely is not equipped to work out how to deal with that and how to classify that as something that should have like a level of professional disclosure because it's easy to say journalism or critique you have to have these boundaries but deciding where someone fits in as a tastemaker and at what point it's you are influencing tastes as such you now need to follow very similar you know lines of disclosure it's very it's very difficult to have an agreed upon standard of when that person is big enough yeah. that they need to start disclosing and the that. real insidious thing is that YouTubers um, for a long time um, especially ever since people started to trust games journalism as a thing more more popularly, uh, YouTube became seen as the alternative, the everyman site, 
the place where the real gamers talk to the real gamers. And so it's it all automatically had this air of added legitimacy, which has made this creep of PR people and sponsored stuff more insidious uh, mm. because they have a greater degree of trust already. So it's easier for that trust to be exploited. And I can tell you I can tell you from experience that publishers will often try and pay you to say something's great. Sure, I don't you'll get doubt these, it. You'll get these offers that will say, um, you, uh, we'll give you the copy of the game early, we'll throw you a bit of cash, and just you have to not say anything bad about the game, you have to mention it's coming out on blah. I'm like, fuck that. I, <laughs> I have seen emails um, in various places about this exact thing, where it's like, hey, we're not saying that you have to like the game, but if we send you a copy of the game, and if you happen to enjoy it, then decide to put out a video that doesn't criticize it because you, you enjoyed it. Then we will. Ha- then we will have. Yeah, exactly. And it's like that doesn't highlight that doesn't seek to highlight bugs. And if we're happy with that content, then we will be very appreciative, and we will probably thank you with this yeah. cash I mean, bonus. Sh- totally not paying you to say that the game. <laughs> the is Shadow nice. of Mordor thing was the the real famous uh, instance of this with people who getting contracts that were like, don't don't show off any bugs, don't show off uh, criticism. Uh, all this stuff and the disclosures for that were and still are quite muddy. Um, some people were able to negotiate better versions of that contract. Some people uh, we can only assume didn't, but we just don't know. And there, there is that lack of openness. Um, and and I, I'm not saying that to discredit YouTube, especially as someone who has really crossed over now and is is probably more YouTuber than old media guy now. Um, so I'm certainly not saying it to discredit the medium. Uh, it's because I love the medium that it concerns me so much because mm. so many people on mm. YouTube do deserve that uh, every person role, that speaking for the the commoners kind of thing. So many people deserve that. But some that. of the guys that put themselves mm. across as this aren't. That's the whole. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the, the thing. There. And I don't want to yeah. see the well poisons. You know, I, they're I, pretty I much prefer... shills like. <laughs> yeah, and it and it's it's like I don't want to see YouTube go the way because because. I respect a lot of people in in traditional games journalism, but a lot of traditional games journalism is fucked. You know, like there's um, there is a cycle of fear that goes on where people are Mm. too worried about losing their access because of this this old fashioned thinking that you've got to be a newsbreaker, you've got to have access. Uh, Forgetting that sites Mm. like Destructoid, you know, became well known. Because they didn't have access. So they came up with all sorts of weird and interesting, engaging content to make up for that fact. Exactly. Like, I can tell you there is a feature we're working on right now where everyone on the site is drawing Mega Man bosses for a thing, and they're all very silly. Yeah. Because that's what you do when you haven't got access to something. You're like, fuck it, we don't need access, we're going to draw a load of silly Mega Man bosses for a thing. Now, this is why when I get threats of blacklisting and things from Konami or wherever... Um, it doesn't worry me because I got where I am today without any access whatsoever. Mm. No game publisher helps me get where I am. And if you are a media outlet and you feel like you are where you are because you got help from a game publisher, your business model is not a good one. It's it's yeah. it's on eggshells and it's fucked. And access can be taken away just as much as it is given and it will compromise you if you feel that's how you got where you are. Yeah. Now, see, I've talked about this in like features before, and it's a highly, um, it's a highly unpractical idea. But I would love to see a future for the games industry if we could ever get to a point where this is viable, where 
let's say there was a centralized body that handled distribution of review code for the major publishers and they do not work for any of the publishers they are a Mm -hmm. centralized body and once you hit a set set of criteria that might be x uh, you work for x outlet or you get x amount of unique views a month or whatever you get accreditation as as a critic and then can apply for review code independently through this independent that's never going to happen unless it's like illegal not to (laughs) well exactly it's never going to happen on a practical level but like you can see why I would love to see a version of this industry where that was viable. If there was a gulf between would, the publishers yeah. and the media, like that would yes, be where fun. it is not. Th- I'd yeah. like it would be fantastic if the people who were producing the content were not the people providing you the content. If there was a middle, an impartial middle barrier, that would be a huge help for a lot of the problems with current games media. But I don't see any middle ground or any stepping stone that would lead us to get to that point, which is mm-hmm. disappointing. That got really, really all yeah, serious yeah. there, didn't it? Um, so anyway, back, back <laughs> to the, the topic at hand, which is, of course, fuck Konami. Oh, fuck Konami. Um, like, they, they haven't... Like, like Again, this comes back to some... Only Konami could have one of the biggest releases of the year and still still turn the conversation into what a big pile of shit they are as a company. <laughs> Only Konami that, could does do that. Really, does that really surprise you, though, I'm Jim? not surprised. Does it really surprise you? I mean, it's just... It's uh, it's, cl- it's classic Konami. It is Konami all over. I really, people... I really hope they don't clamp down on YouTube stuff after the release, because that's... You know, I've, I'm getting a lot of requests for a Metal Gear song, and the reason I don't do Nintendo stuff is because they clamp down on YouTube, and yeah, if I they're mean, clamping down on Metal Gear stuff, I'm not going to bother doing a Metal Gear song, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's extra disgusting there. There's this threat of them clamping down after they agreed with Greg Miller to do that, the mm. Let's Play content that he's doing. Um, nothing against Greg. You know, I'm, I'm I'm friends with the kind of funny guys. I support what they do. Yeah. But Greg is absolutely lovely. I think he's, he's fantastic at what he does. He's a beautiful does, guy. But... He needs to wear less black shirts with red ties. That's my thing. <laughs> but he's a lovely bloke, and, and I, I trust that he'll do you know the right thing on his end. But for Konami to offer deals with certain people for Let's Play content on YouTube while flagging other people um, for mm. with content ID... Uh, which it, the same thing happened with Shadow of Mordor. It's like they're perfectly willing if they can control the if they can control yeah. the way the media. You're, you're welcome to play it online so long as you're one of the people who we've prepped on what message yeah. we want put across. And that so it's is like when Greg Miller when Greg Miller mm. is is allowed to do the the Metal Gear Solid Five stream, and I have a Jimquisition episode that goes up that uses pre-released trailer footage, just publicly distributed trailer footage. Um, on a video that I do not support with ads, to have that flagged with Content ID and have Konami running ads on my ad-free video, I find that highly, there highly There is something very, very wrong when that is the situation. That should not be how these things play out. Yeah. Mm. And to, uh, shortly before we recorded, Konami put out a friendly little tweet, uh, friendly little tweet on the tweeter oh, yeah. uh, that, that said... Um, if you see anyone streaming uh, the Phantom Pain and spoiling content, uh, do let us know and flag it uh, because the street date's been broken and that applies to live streams as well. And I'd just like to say, uh, 
No, it fucking doesn't. Exactly. If someone bought a copy, if you sent it to a retailer and someone bought it, they've not signed a fucking NDA. They can do whatever the hell they fucking want with it. If they can do it on launch day, they can do it pre-launch. Yeah, like, it's as far as I'm concerned, I've, I've got very little... Um, sympathy for Co- well i've got very little sympathy for konami at the best of times but especially very little uh sympathy for konami when they've agreed to have their exclusive let's play content they've sent reviewers to boot camps and told anyone else that the only alternative is to wait until after release if someone in between there buys the game from like a mom and pop store or wherever and and does it without konami's help they don't owe konami a damn fucking thing Mm. they agreed to nothing the street date does not apply to them now obviously justin for some reason i was about to call twitch justin tv (laughs) i've gone back in time to like a billion years ago now twitch and youtube may have deals with you konami that they're going to stomp this stuff down but I sure as shit ain't going to flag things. I sure as shit ain't going to help them do it. And I, I would highly advise others don't help them do it as well. Because because these people who may be streaming The Phantom Pain right now have agreed to nothing. The street date is for stores, not for them. You know what I would say? I'd go completely the opposite way. Do false flagging. Go to go to Konami and be like, oh, there's someone streaming it over here and send them to a stream that's not of Metal Gear Solid. And just keep them busy so they can't find the MGS streams. <laughs> Actually, someone did say they've been flagging Greg Miller's video all the time and they've not gotten anything back from Konami. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's a pity, Not that though, I endorse that, but, but I, I, I get the joke. It's a pity that they would sour the limited... Um, goodwill afforded to them by the community now due to the release of an amazing game and that they would sour that with all these antics yeah because considering like all of the bullshit that's happened with konami over the the past few months to have something that like is being universally received as like a really pretty good video game and to still have that be a bad thing for them is impressive because it's like this this could have been your moment to be like yeah konami you've been shits for the last few months but you did end up producing a good piece of content it's it's classic fucking konami like like i said before only they could have silent hill norman reedus guillermo del toro and hideo kojima on one fucking project and somehow let it slip through their fingers so it doesn't shock me at all that they've got metal gear solid 5 the phantom pain one of the most anticipated games of all time (laughs) one of the biggest games of the year and here we are right now talking about how shit konami is because konami is konami and konami is the worst and fuck konami and thank god for me if there's one note i can leave this on it is this go read destructoid's review because they didn't go to boot camp because (laughs) destructoid are great please go read their content give me the page view money please thank you you goddamn shell (laughs) Exactly. Um, I'm a goddamn shill and I'm proud of it. You know why? Because my goddamn shill company didn't go to that event, so I can be up on my high horse this one time. <laughs> there's one thing that they uh, that Chris didn't do, though. What did he not do? Talk about the microtransactions. The Metal Gear microtransactions. Boo! You can purchase some stuff in that with microtransactions. You can also buy it with in-game content, uh, with in-game currency. I don't care, though. <laughs> Now, this is, yeah, it is, it is still a bit... There was yeah, something I, I, I heard in a couple of reviews that worries me about that game is that other players can invade your home base and nick shit from it. And I'm wondering, is that a completely optional thing or will you just be trying to do you your single-player game and some fucking douche is going to come in and pick a fight with you? Because that would I really ruin it for you me. have to manually unlock. Uh, okay. And if you don't want it to happen, you don't have to have it happen. Okay, um, cool. 
and that's I think that's where the microtransactions are coming in. And yes, yes, they are mm. quote unquote optional. Yes, you can earn the you know Metal I, Gear bucks or whatever. Quote, I am unquote, still cautious what Speaking, the pacing is going to be. I think it's of disgusting. microtransactions. Uh, oh, we need to talk? to talk about advanced warfare. Yeah, we'll get. Oh, don't worry. We'll launch. We'll we'll use this as a segue into that. We'll yeah. talk about that as well. Because <laughs> as I said on Jimquisition, I don't care whether the microtransactions in Metal Gear Solid Five are optional. I care they're there to begin with. I don't care what the fuck. It, I don't even care what the context is. And some may call me an extremist for that. I don't fucking care. If you buy a game for $60, you don't buy into the psychological manipulation that the game will try and in, it subject you to, because that's how microtransactions work. Like, if you do a free-to-play game, that's the cost of entry. The psychological pummeling that the game's going to try and put on you to get you to spend money. Because I don't believe this whole, oh, it's optional, you don't have to buy it shit. No company offers to sell you something and then doesn't want you to buy it. Now, I completely... I completely understand your reasoning there. That being said, I have always been much more sort of like, yeah, if it's there and I don't have to do it, I'm, I'm fairly able to just like ignore that it's there and push past it. That's how they get you though. What? How's how's that how they get me? That's, that's the tactic, right? (laughs) Now you may have, have never bought something with a microtransaction. That's fine. But, you end up so confident that, that it doesn't affect you. And that's when they put the worms in your brain. That, I, these people that really, like, there are people that really ardently defend microtransactions. Like, well, they don't affect me at all. And I'm like... They affect the fundamental the, design of the game, though. That's You're the, the mark. Well, you're the guy... We saw, this with, we saw it with Dead Space 3. That's, that's that, that, the other part of that is, is true, yeah. Like, like yeah. it changed the way Dead Space operated it, as a it game. It was detrimental to the, the entire balance of, yeah. of that Yeah, and you game. don't opt into that. Microtransactions are never opt-in. Even if they are optional, they've, they've done something to the design of the game in some way that you do not even, opt into. Even, and you guys, you guys know how much I love the Assassin's Creed series, but the ones in Black Flag, where it was like, you can grind for 30 hours to upgrade your ship, or you can spend a fiver and do it now. I thought that was kind of, that was a bit far for me as well. It's gross. All I'm going to say is, I don't personally feel like criticizing the implementation of microtransactions in MGS5 till I've seen it for myself. Mm. Which I think is a fair enough thing for me to say. I don't think that's unfair. Uh, I, I can understand being infuriated by its presence, but I'm going to hold back on taking a stance until I've seen it in there. I mean, I fully... And seen what the balance is. I fully realise, and I've never hidden the fact, that I am, um, shall we say, an impulsive, angry idealist of a man. And on sheer principle, I will never, regardless of context, I will never, um, never defend or support microtransactions in $60 games. I just, I simply won't. I don't care how soft they are. I don't care how uh, unintrusive they are. If you buy a premium game, you you should get a premium game, not a, not a freemium game. Not not what I call fee-to-pay, where you pay in order to play. Like, I I will never accept that. Um, you know, I might and still buy the game, fair but I will certainly never buy the microtransactions because I just don't feel that section of the game should be supported, and and yeah. it does upset me. And 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 
I hate that's, that it's that's my in. that's my stance on it. Is I will still buy the game, but I won't touch the microtransactions, and I will once it's out and I've seen them, be like, yeah, these are really shittily handled. Don't do this again, and then kick up my fuss about it. Yeah, I mean, I totally understand people wanting to reserve mm. the fuss, but but you know, I just hope that because some people won't then extend that to me and and understand my need to kick up a fuss now. Oh, yeah. If I completely understand, on principle, wanting to yeah. kick up a fuss now, and that is perfectly Because so many people get apathetic about these things. It's like... Because I was having discussions with people on Twitter about it, where they're like, well, microtransactions are a thing now, we might as well just accept them and get over it. And I'm like, no, because then that's just how things get worse. Because once they realise they've got us all complacent, then it gets even worse. Then we get into some real shit. Um, you know, people told me to stop going on about online passes when they were a thing because they were going to just keep happening. And, and thank fuck there, they finally ditched online passes mm. because people kept up being annoyed by Online passes are one I will agree with you that just like, there is never a, like a really defendable reason outside of this is an MMO. Yeah, and I just... Where like, you are physically using servers for a long length of time, this is what you're paying for. But like, outside of that... Season passes and yeah. Like, once EA no, started putting them in single-player games in Kingdoms of Amalur and stuff, that's when it finally they really jumped the shark on the online pass thing, and I could not be happier that they went away. And and I'm glad mm. that people kept up the outrage about them, even when because I was working at Destructoid at the time, and people were like, "Oh, give it a rest, Jim. We're so tired of hearing about online passes. Stop <laughs> treating every single new online pass like it's a piece of news." And I'm like, "I will. I will always treat." microtransactions in $60 games as brand new news. I will act as if it's never happened before. Yeah. I will keep up and that <laughs> level of shock and outrage because that's because to do otherwise, as far as I'm mm. concerned, to do otherwise is to just roll over. And that was the joy of being at Destructoid, is that it's one of the few like big bigger name gaming sites where you can get away with just being like, no, I'm going to talk about this again and again because it's a personal bugbear, so fuck off. That is, they did let me do that, and that is one of the reasons yeah. why I still, you know, I, I still have the fondest of <laughs> memories of, of working with yeah. some of those guys. See, my, my personal one of those is still um, Amiibo and shouting about, like, stop tempting me with fucking Amiibo because <laughs> I'm, I'm out. I'm out of the game. Stop trying to drag me back in. They tried to drag me back in this week with the large version of the Yarn Yoshi amiibo, and oh, I'm like, I really fucking want it. I really fucking want it. That's and the next I'm, way. I'm out. I said I'm out. I said I'm out, and now they're trying to drag me back in, and fuck you, Nintendo, for making things that I want. They're going to re-release all the amiibos as bigger ones now. That, that'll be the next and I thing. Will f- and I will fucking want <laughs> I can't handle it. I can't handle amiibos no more. I'm scared of the Pokemon ones coming out because I don't want to buy an Ekans. I will make one exception. If they release a larger version of the Ass Piss Link Amiibo, I will buy that. <laughs> With extra <laughs> if they make me like, yeah, if they buy like a large one that still has the like the the Ass Piss Yellow stand, I will buy it. Anyway, Gavin had a yes, thing. Yes, so to talk we've been about. talking about microtransactions. Now, Gavin, I saw you. I've not actually had time to look into this story too deeply yet, but it seemed fucking gross. So, mm. Gavin, if you would like to explain what um, what the cheeky well, bastards at Activision have been up to, it's kind of hard to explain. And I was just I was watching a video this week, um, and he was talking about the way the advanced supply drops work in Advanced Warfare. Now, I haven't played the game in a long time, so I wasn't I wasn't aware this was happening. But it's basically like you know, in Counter Strike, you get these you you pay for 
It's like um, you you remember when you used to collect stickers with like the football albums and you never knew which ones you were going to get. Yeah, the old Panini stickers. Yeah. yeah and yeah. each one might give you one of the magic silver stickers and you were so yeah. happy. With, well, basically, they're doing that now with video games and with it's mostly just kind of skins and cosmetic stuff. But in Advanced Warfare, there's exclusive guns and you get these guns by gambling your real money. And that's so dangerously close to pay to win. And I think that's yeah. absolutely disgusting. I think it's complete exploitation of, you know, of people's sadly compulsive nature when it comes to to these games, you know. That is dodgy as fuck. And again, mm. it's it's if it were if it were in a completely free game. Mm. I'd have less of an issue with it. Like, I like the lunchboxes in, in Fallout Shelter, you know? I mm. like the... I, I used to love Panini sticker albums <clears> and, <throat> and Jurassic Park trading cards, Aliens vs. Predator, collectible a, card game stuff. I love a competitive all that game, though, it's completely unacceptable. It's, yeah, that, that's... And it, as he said in the video, it creates a system of haves and have-nots. Even mm-hmm. when it's just cosmetic stuff, it creates a system of the haves and the have-nots, and it's, yeah. it yeah, kind of I mean, really was, sucks. I quoted Rich Stanton in um, Jimquisition talking about that. Um, it, mm. It's all part of what I call the psychological manipulation, the psychological pummeling mm. um, of trying to tempt you into buying more stuff. Um, mm. Because in a competitive environment, you see someone with a gold especially, gun, yeah, and it marks them out as a special hot shit. Especially in uh, Call of Duty, when every time you get killed by someone, you, you get the kill cam and see their gun in full glorious, yeah. you know... <laughs> They're all well, some gun that they gambled on. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Now, see, I'm ju- I'm just thankful that they've not gone the step beyond that that Japan used to do, which was the idea of gacha machines, where the psychological step beyond that was not just gambling your real money for the chance of getting the rare item; it's gambling your real money for the chance to get parts of the rare oh. item. And the psychological wow. trick there is that you like two thirds of the of this really rare item might be really quite common drops. And then you have the psychological moment of I'm two thirds of the way there. I just need the I final piece. I gotta get piece. there. Did you? And that is a thing that got made illegal in Japan, and I'm so glad that that hasn't. Well, that's yet something we see in terribly often. That's over something here. we see in various like bad examples of free to play games, where they yeah. What's the company? Mobage Games is a big problem company for that. That mainly expanded into North America because Japan banned that. We shit. see it in um, some of the EA's games as well. It's it's the whole principle behind what i call the shit muncher currency system where a game has two currencies mm. um usually something that actually <coughs> looks like money and then something else like in simpsons tapped out it's dollars and then the uh, the premium currency is donuts and in dungeon keeper mobile i think it's like gold for, as your regular currency and then gems as the premium currency now the main purpose of the normal currency is just to make you feel like you have a lot of money so that you feel invested in the game. And you think, well, I've got all this gold, all these dollars. I'd hate to not spend it on something, but I can if I if I just spend some of my real life money and get some gems or donuts. Like It, it really is a disgusting way of falsifying a sense of investment in the game uh, so that you don't want to uh, quit where, quit while you're ahead. And you'll be more tempted to spend money. And that's kind of a proto version of what you said with the with the gacha machines. And I, I oh god, they really are going to do that at some point, aren't they? How much do you guys want to get that the next huge Destiny update is going to introduce a paid for currency? 
I would not doubt it in the slightest. I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, um, I really wouldn't put it past them. That game already has like 43 currencies. It, it does. <laughs> yeah. um, and with that, I think we've basically, we can sum up that 40 minutes or so as basically just microtransactions. They're usually pretty fucking shit. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. They are usually Especially, shit. but especially, especially shit in competitive games. Yeah, I mean, competitive games, especially the ones that you have paid for already. Don't give me a system of haves and have-nots in a $60 game where we've all paid the same price to get in. We've, we've all paid the same price, and then you're offering a premium experience for, for others who are more willing to play. Like, it's just so grotesque. Like, there's, a, there's a, like, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but there's even a whole YouTube culture around these supply drops now where people will drop a bomb of money on them and then open them on a YouTube video and people actually watch The biggest one of these is FIFA get. and the people who will do um, player pack openings of FIFA. It's a huge fucking thing all of its own. There are entire channels that are just, I will open FIFA packs and find out what players I got. Oh, God. And they're really, really popular. Mm-hmm. Burn it! Burn There's some it. other things popular with the FIFA community, which just are just, I don't, I, you know, like... There's dudes in the FIFA community who get their girlfriends to strip, and like they'll, I don't know how it works if the audience does so many likes, the girlfriend will take more. I don't know how um, it works. So yeah, don't I'm not, I'm this, not going to name names, like, but I know exactly who that's referencing, and it's yeah, like pretty shitty. <laughs> they do not deserve any more popularity than they currently have. It's they, kind of exploitative. <laughs> it's more than kind of exploitative. It yeah. is very, very, very manipulative in the way they do it. And it really sets. I heard of that. That makes me feel queasy. Yeah, you, it really you don't sets want to know an who. extremely right bad ethical example to a lot of the young people who watch those videos. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now that said, right, I'm happy to exploit myself by my own choice. Now, I, if, let's let's just say we double my Patreon money right now. I'm not against stripping myself for your entertainment. I'm I'm thinking how I, I'm now seriously stopping to think how much money would I need to strip on Patreon? It's hard to put a number on. It's hard to put a number on, but not impossible. It's not impossible. You you guys set a number. I'll tell you when we get there. <laughs> when, when we hit so the yeah. number, I'll let you know. Um, I've just had a sandwich just delivered to my office floor. So I'm actually going to do Laura's job this week and eat while we record. You're going to eat while we record. Well, should I should I buy you some time and talk about a, a sweet, lovely, no complaints about it game that I played this week? Yeah, let's change tag. Let's let's, let's be a bit nice. Um, I played a game this week called Gravity Ghost. I have no idea. Jim, have you heard anything about this game? He's eating his sandwich, isn't he? <laughs> Anyway, I'll just get in in with it then. So this week I've been playing a game called Gravity Ghost, and Gravity Ghost is a really sweet, simple little game. Um, you play as the ghost of a young girl who's who's died, sort of age like nine or ten or so, and um, you're sort of flying through space, collecting the spirits of animals and bringing them back to their skeletons, and exploring space. And it's all to do with. Uh, like arcing through different orbits of planets and sort of working out like, well, if I throw myself like this, then this planet will spin me around and I'll get that star. And it's just a very sweet, serene experience mechanically. It's very simple mechanically. It is just move left or right and jump to enter orbit. Are you and talking about Gravity Ghost? Yes, I am. I asked you if you'd played it and you didn't answer because you were eating I, a sandwich. I went to get my sandwich from the floor. Are you, are you aware of it? I've heard the name, but... 
I've seen you talking about it. <laughs> I've seen okay. you talking about it. Yeah, so mechanically, it is like, it's two, two to three hours long. It is this like short mechanical experience of like, what you are doing gameplay-wise is entering orbits or changing planets so that they are either more dense or less dense or made of different su- uh, substances in order to aid your sort of pleasant beautiful flowing through space um you've got this big long trail of hair that you use for stuff that also just looks really nice as it trails around space and it's just a really beautiful game um visually it has this really unique sort of like paper craft um very colorful art style um the soundtrack is absolutely stunning but i think what's um sort of really caught my attention the most about it this week is the story is incredibly well handled um in terms of dealing with very relatable human issues. Um, it tells a story that is about innocence and the fact that life sort of ultimately takes away childhood innocence, no matter how much you try and prevent that happening. Um, it is a story about sort of like pushing boundaries as a child and learning through consequence why you can't push certain boundaries. And it's just this really sweet story of like family and innocence and growing up that's wrapped up in this very sort of beautiful mystical very mechanically simplistic flight through space and it's only a few hours long it intersperses new mechanics and bits of narrative at a really solid pace so that it never feels like it's sort of grinding to any kind of halt and I just came through this game like two three hours of playing it and I was like I feel totally refreshed on this as a as a medium um I, I came out of it, like, I, I put it up there with, for me, Thomas Was Alone and Journey mm-hmm. are the two games that I felt like comparing it to, where it's like, it is just this calm, relaxing, not mechanically taxing experience mm. that I felt like took me on a journey. And that I it, I really felt something having gone through. Cool. Let's try it. So, yeah, it's, it's up there with Journey and Thomas Was Alone for me. If you like those two games, go give this a look. Certainly did. Also, when when you buy a when you buy a copy, I think you get if you buy it through their website, you get two Steam keys and a DRM code to give someone else. So if you buy it and you like it, give it to other people. Oh, Speaking of Mike Bethel, uh, I played Volume this week. What did What did you think of Volume? I really liked it. It was cool. It, was, it had that thing that very rare few games have, and it's really hard for me to put into words, but it felt really good to play it. It's something yeah. about the way the controls match with the aesthetics and the way it, it, it responds a, to your touch. And yeah, just something a, about that game feels really addictive. <laughs> it is a very mechanically solid game. Yeah. I will not fault it in that regard. Um, it was a joy to play. A week, a week or so on from having finished it, I'm still kind of uh, about the... Uh, the narrative, I still I think, think I the like, narrative I like was... the narrative a lot. Have you, very... have you completed it? No, I'm only like, uh, I don't know how many rooms I've done. I've only done like 20, maybe 25 rooms. Okay. At that point, I was still really enjoying the narrative. It's around the halfway to maybe two thirds point that it hits some mechan- uh, some some narrative missteps that I think just kind of... Yeah, there are some... There are a couple of points that come up in that game where I'm just like, oh yeah, that that really kind of... The narrative hits some some stumbling blocks that I don't think it ever really recovers from. Anyway. Which kind of soured my experience on the narrative by the end. Anyway, me- mechanically, I, I really enjoy it. And I think it's uh, it's so cleverly designed. But it just <laughs> makes me realise how fucking bad I am at stealth games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm couldn't agree more. I'm terrible at stealth games. And 
I was I was so proud of myself for completing that until people were like, oh no, this is a really easy stealth game. And I'm like, oh fuck. Thank God for his <laughs> generous checkpointing. Thank you, Mike, because without it, I would be... Uh... I'd be screwed. And full full disclosure, I um, pretty I get on very well with Mike and talk to him sometimes on Twitter. So just full disclosure. I I, I gave my disclosures about Mike last week, yeah. but um, yeah, I I like to think that I may have had some impact on that checkpointing because every time I played it at a, at a preview event, that was always my criticism was <laughs> more checkpointing, more checkpointing, please. Where's the fucking checkpointing? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because um, there's a difference between challenge and frustration. And I like that much more modern game designers are paying attention to that nowadays. They're realizing well, I, that the challenge and frustration don't have to go hand in hand. I think um, like uses of, of checkpointing can make a game more compelling. Um, mm-hmm. I compare something like this to Super Meat Boy, funnily enough, mm-hmm. where every level is very, very short. Um, there's no checkpoint in the level, but the levels themselves are so quick. So you die and you instantly respawn and you're back and it keeps you playing. Um, and using checkpoints can have that same effect. Where you play something like Volume, you get spotted and shot and then you're right back in the game again, ready to try mm. it again. And it, it just keeps that. Oh, my God. Well. One yeah. one criticism of Volume I will give to Mike, though. Good Lord, the music when you get caught. Yeah, there's, there is. Oh, my God. God, I nearly had a fucking heart attack. The music jumps in volume considerably when you are when you're uh, when you've alerted a guard, and yeah. the problem is is you can't turn down the volume of that effect without yeah. turning down the rest of the soundtrack, which is actually the right volume. I always remember that That's was my biggest struggle with um, with Planescape Torment as well. The yeah. combat music never changed throughout the experience, and it was so annoying, and it went on for so long because the fights in that <laughs> game took forever. I was I was trying to find a word other than volume to use in my sentences. <laughs> I'm very sad I couldn't. I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to use the, the decibel volume, level. The decibel level. Thank you. The sound loudy big. The sound loudy big. <laughs> um, so yeah, what what else have we got this week? We've the dynamic got- range was rather wide. Oh, I like that. You, there that, we go. That's because you're kind of a kind of a rock and uh, pop star. Kind of a music yeah, kind person. Of, kind of a pop music star man. Old rock and poppin'. You're, you're kind of a music oh. man. You come from far away and you can play a lot of instruments. What does he play? He plays what most of play? them. <laughs> I play <laughs> 1950s acoustic guitars. <laughs> Um, should we should we rush through some news because I realise like we have a big news list this week and we've like yeah, barely we've touched any of it. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm going to just rattle some stories off. Yeah. Shout stop if I say one that you have like thoughts on. Sounds good. Um, Pokémon Tournament has been announced for nope. Wii U coming in early 2016. <laughs> Surprising absolutely nobody because the arcade machine controllers were shaped like Wii U gamepads, so everyone fucking knew this was coming, but it's happening worldwide in 2016. That's Rock fine. Band 4 costs $20 more on Xbox One than PS4 because of some controller yeah. issue where you've got to get an extra adapter on Xbox One. The Hitman movie flops and gets worse review scores than even Pixels did. Um, Uber drivers are handing out copies of Madden 16 for some reason in America. <laughs> Okay. Do you want to know about that one? Yeah, yeah, let's 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 have a little look at that one. Okay. What the, fuck? the short version, if you live in one of I think it's like 16 maybe 20 cities in America, if you have Uber, you can type in a special code on on the Uber app right now and it will look for if you have a special um Madden Uber driver around and if you do they will do your journey and it will be the same cost as it would normally be but they'll give you a copy of Madden 16 when you get out the Uber (laughs) you Brits I was like what's an Uber we have Uber in London 
Yeah, but it's just the accent. Did I, did I pronounce were like, it Uba, badly? And I was like, what the fuck is Uber? Shut up. Uber. 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 Jesus, it's called Uber. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, Uber drivers are giving out Madden 16 for no good fucking reason. Um, and from all accounts, like, these Madden Uber drivers don't actually seem to exist. People are going on and, like, spending all day, like, looking for this driver to turn up. And it's like... Nope, there are no drivers available. No drivers available. No drivers available. Didn't the French go on some big protest against Uber recently? French oh, yeah, because it's putting taxi drivers out of business and stuff. But it's convenient for me, so fuck it. <laughs> um, Nintendo <laughs> puts out... I feel like I should. I mean, I've got the app, but it came preloaded on my new phone. I feel like I should use it, because it would actually help me get around... <laughs> I used it a lot while I was in America for E3 just because it was much easier than having to always have cash on me for like for transport, being able to sort of pre-book, um, know where to find like reputable drivers and like pay on card was really convenient in a foreign country. Well, that's it. You know, I, mean... I think instead of striking, I, and this is like probably get killed for saying this, but instead of striking, evolve your business strategy. Pretty much. Oh, I that's, mean... that's, can't do that. I've used, I use taxi drivers out this, here. This reminds they me of record labels up. trying to stop taxi. piracy with fucking, you know, clamping down on everything. Taxi drivers can all take your credit card. And they always pretend they can't because they want the cash. And it's mm. like, I don't want to have that argument. If I could just press a button on my phone and get a car without fuss and arguing. Yeah. Because I don't like carrying cash around, you know? And, like... Particularly when you're somewhere you don't know, it's really nice to have an estimate in advance of your journey that's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. oh, your journey's going to cost this much, pay in advance, done. Yeah, especially for someone as anxious as me, sitting mm. in the back seat of a cab, looking at the price ticker going up, just oh, like, God, like yeah. I, I've I got have 40 one... bucks in cash on me, if he wants more than that, I'm going to have to have the card conversation again. Yeah, so I have one story about why I don't like taxis and that kind of sold me on why I like Uber. And this was, I was about 15 and I was at a Comic-Con in London and I managed to get a um, cosmetic contact lens stuck to my eye. And I was in London, I had no idea where to fucking go to deal with this because it like dried out on my eye. And I was like, apparently it's like five minutes drive to the hospital. So I get in a taxi and I'm like, I need to go to this hospital. Um... I had £25. I was like, £25, that should do me a five-minute taxi ride in London. Mm-hmm. Um, nope, he decided to go a different direction, then had to backtrack and then blamed that on me. And I was 15. I had no idea how to argue, no, that's not my fault on that issue. So I was like, oh, yeah, here's your £30 like taxi bill for your what should have been a five-minute journey. And I had no money, so I like I got out of the taxi and I ran away. <laughs> <laughs> I ran away from a taxi because I was like, fuck it. it I don't know what to do. So I ran away to a hospital because I had no money. And then even worse, I then had no money when I realized I was at the wrong hospital and had to get across to the other side of London in cosplay to get to the specialist eye hospital. Jesus. So if I'd have had Uber, I'd have known how much a journey would have cost. I would have been able to pay in advance and it would have been great. So yeah, there's fucking taxi companies. I'm going to fucking try it. Maybe this weekend for D&D, go over to uh, yeah. Flannel's place. Because um, these days, if I use a taxi cab, like, you know, when I'm at an airport or whatever, going on, you know, some event or whatever, I'll, um, I always make them in advance tell me they take credit card. Yeah. Because they, at the end of the journey, if you ask, the answer is always no. If you ask first, they say yes to get you in. So yeah. I, I get them, I hold them to their word. Mm. It's the only way to do it. It's like, I used Uber again when I was in Amsterdam for Unite, and I was like, yeah, this is just really easy when I don't know where I'm going. 
and I could just assess in advance, is it worth paying this much to get there? Yeah. So that's always nice. Um, so other news we had. Um, Nintendo patents a discless home console. Who knows if they'll ever fucking make it, but they patented it. Mm-hmm. Um, Nintendo were open to making movies. Yeah, they haven't announced that they're doing any, but they're open to it. I mean, they've licensed their uh, characters in Wreck-It Ralph and Pixels. So. <laughs> why, why would you give anything to Pixels? Why would you do that? Because of that sweet chatching. <sighs> um, Dota 2 has got Rick and Morty announcers. I don't play Dota 2, but I like Rick and Morty. That is a good show, what is done. I still need to watch it. I've heard so many good things. Basically, the best way I can describe it is like the dirty adult humour version of um, Back to the Future, but um, if Doc Brown was a huge raging alcoholic, and if Marty McFly was constantly upset and terrified by Doc's alcoholism. Yeah, I mean, because I, I, I actually watched the... I've watched um, Doc and Marty, the original YouTube yeah. video that they based it on. Um, so I, you know, I know, I'm already sold on the game, on the, on the, game, <laughs> yeah. on the show. I just need so. to finally fire up Hulu yeah. and watch the blood thing. So that's, that's two memorable voices that are now in a game that I don't play. Um, oh, interesting one. Final Fantasy VII on iOS has a mode where you can skip any non-story battles and balances the level so that your leveling is only based on beating bosses for players who want the story and the exploration without having to level grind. Which I think is really fucking interesting. It's an interesting experiment, and you know what? Um, the game itself's been out so long and it's on iOS, so I, I guess I'm not outraged by that. Here's the thing, it's like, I've played that game so many times... Yeah, I could do without the grinding in it. That's it. Arguing from the perspective of someone who's played it so many times, that is a tempting thing. Yeah, I have an urge to replay those big monumental moments. I don't want to have to grind. I would like to cut maybe half of the length of that game out and just re-experience it. That actually sounds really appealing. Yeah, I mean, um, when I replay Silent Hill 2, I usually put the uh, the puzzle mode, because they got different difficulties yeah. for puzzles and combat, and I always write the puzzle down to easy, so I'm like, I don't want to fuck around with that shit. Yeah. If I'm replaying, I just want to... the puzzles make no sense a lot of the time. So. That is true. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wanting to write something about stuff like this, and I tried writing it earlier this week and scrapped it, and I might do it again for possibly for Monday coming up. Mm-hmm. But I there think was, it's really um, interesting games that take mechanics away in order to increase the number of people they appeal to. Like, a great example is there's a game called Spirits of Xanadu, which... It's kind of one of those walking simulators on a space station in space, except it has like you can um, take first mechanics person away from one of those games. Holy yeah, it, well, no, no. Well, here's the what, thing: standing it's simulator. Got, <laughs> let, let me get there. It's got first person shooter stuff in it. Mm. Um, you can like, oh, there's robots on the space station. You got to shoot the robots. You can take out the FPS component of it entirely if you want, and just play it as a walking simulator, or you can play it with the FPS content in there. And I'm like, this is re- I think it's really that interesting when companies interesting are like, approach. I will make mechanics, but balance the game so that you can remove those mechanics and the game still feels balanced. I can see mm. games, there are certain games I feel that would, not all games, but there are certain games I could see benefiting from that. Like, if you took yeah. a Quantic Dream game, so I've been replaying Indigo mm. Prophecy for my YouTube channel, or Fahrenheit, <laughs> you know, as it was known in the UK. Um, yeah. And some of the bits of, like, some of the gameplay stuff are thrown in just out of some self-conscious need to have gameplay in it. 
Um, you know, useless things like we'll, we'll suddenly stop having our conversation about the murder mystery because you've got to shoot at a shooting range. So here's a first person yeah. gun section for no fucking reason. And it's got no utility to the game. It's just mm. there because someone was worried their game wasn't gamey enough. Yeah. And I think it's a really interesting thing seeing developers not be afraid to say, hey, if you would rather that content wasn't in there and you think that would give you a better experience, feel free to turn it off. And that's a really interesting thing that I'd like to see happen more and I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. So maybe see something from me on Monday next week about that, maybe, if I if I get it together. There was there was other news today as well. Cliffy B announced a new game, finally. Oh, yeah, I didn't not, have a look at that. How's, it's how's not it called The Shattering Polygon. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's oh, called Lawbreakers. That's what the, the web address was called, Lawbreakers. It's, um, it's something that I think there's actually going to be a big market for on PC. It's kind of a fast-paced Quake-style arena shooter, which isn't surprising, coming from Cliff. It's what he's good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like the setting is kind of, um, it's like in the future, it's like drug cartels versus law enforcement. And all the law enforcement have banded together on like the army, the police, they're all, they're all after coming together into one unit. And the cartels are all after coming together as well to fight them. So yeah, it looks pretty interesting. Apparently it's very vertical and there's a lot of gravity stuff in it. So it looked cool. I like the look. And of that's it. called Shattered, right? Yes, Shattered. Yes, Shattered. <laughs> I look forward to that. I'm going to pre-order that. Yes, every everyone shattered. Shattered is is a good thing. Oh, it's called Polygon. Lawbreakers. They did correct themselves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, After everyone made fun of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thing that you might find vaguely interesting, Gav. Um, mm-hmm. t- have you been aware that there's a Twitch plays Dark Souls happening? You know what? I I looked at that for one minute and a half, roughly, and I had to stop because it's one of the most frustrating fucking things I've ever seen in my life. Did you know they managed to beat the Taurus demon? Yeah. (laughs) They beat the fucking Taurus demon. You know, I just find that I don't... I could see the point of that with... I don't know, it just... It's so frustrating to watch. (laughs) This is the thing. You... the frustration, if you interact with it, is part of the experience. It is it is entirely based around, we could do this. All of us in this in this Twitch chat room know what to do to beat this boss. Now, can we just agree for long enough to make it happen? And the answer is no. It felt like an incredible waste of my life to be watching. I, <laughs> I, I genuinely did waste some of my life. I was one of those people that got actually kind of into watching the drama unfold around um, Twitch Plays Pokemon. I think that the uh, the reading into some of the actions that took place, the um, sort of the lore that built around it was fascinating to watch. Um, and I'm really impressed that they made it through. And I'm like, yeah, good, good for them. Um, I think trying to play Dark Souls over Twitch is people with a death wish. I just when I tuned in they were walking into a wall beside a door for ha- for for the whole thing. I was like no, I'm not. I just why would I watch it's, this? It's here's the thing. What you do is you wait it, like you follow a Twitter account like there was one I was following for the Pokemon one where like the people on there will tweet something interesting is happening and usually it's like you've got to a gym battle or you you're fighting a legendary or here it would be like oh you got to a boss or you know, walking across a tight ledge or something. Mm. And you literally just click on when it's like, oh, they're doing an interesting thing. That was kind of funny to see them fail. I was it for a while when it was, when it first started, I was running a little Twitter commentary. Um, And it was, I mean, the best way to watch that, to watch Twitch plays Dark Souls is to just have it muted in a tab on your browser running constantly. And then just like Mm. every day or two, 
click back and go, yep, they're still yeah. in the pool, and just laugh <laughs> your fucking head off. <laughs> it's just one of those, like, it's a constant comfort to be like, yeah, they're, st- they're still plugging away at it, okay. I feel like it's going to be one of the new constant, uh, constants. It's like, the sky will always be up above us, the sun will always shine, and someone, somewhere, will be playing Twitch t- Plays Dark Souls. Well, if they were able to beat Pokemon, then, you know, the fact they've beaten the Taurus Demon, fuck it, they might be able to do this. I wouldn't expect it for several months. When they get to Ornstein and Smog, let me know, because that that was... I I will definitely let you know. I think everyone's Um, looking forward to the the possibility of that happening one day. I think (laughs) I would watch them die at least three times before going to do something better with my life. Now, should we we move on to questions for a bit? Yeah, Yeah, why not? Good time for questions. And I'm going to mention... As well as sending us questions on Facebook threads and Twitter and such on a Wednesday when I ask you for them, we now have an email address. Finally, 40 episodes in. (laughs) 40 episodes in, we have the professional-looking email address. Askpodquisition at gmail.com. Super professional-looking, I know. Um, So if you email askpodquisition at gmail.com at any point... Um, on a Wednesday, I will trawl through a week's worth of those and, and uh, actually, there's some, see some, what's something there. we should point out to people as well. If we don't answer your question, don't get offended. Because when Laura puts out the thing for questions, there's a lot of them that come in. And I see sometimes people, they get a bit upset if their questions aren't answered, but it's, it, there, there are don't people take it that we, We're aware that there are people that ask questions every week. And the problem is, is that to those of you who ask a question every week and never get one answered... It's because there are probably 50, 60, 70, 80 of you that are also every single week asking it's, a question. Hard, and yeah. we try and get to all of them, but then there's also sort of new people who are getting in who are very excitedly trying to ask questions. And we get a scary number of questions asked. So we do try and get to everyone's questions, but it is impossible to ask everything that everyone's asking. And there are also times when just the question might not be right for yeah, the podcast, like, or I, it might be something that hmm. none of us really have an answer for, you yeah. know? It's like we, we kind of met, had the running joke for a while about the person whose question we never got round to answering, but almost got very close. And like... The the reason that was so funny to us is because it's kind of based in something that really does happen, where there are, every week we pick out, like, probably 10, 15 questions that make a little, like, shortlist in Skype, and we go from question to question, whatever seems most fitting at that moment, and sometimes questions will get shortlisted and they'll just never make it onto the air. It's not because it's not a good question, but we have, like, we got to go with where the show's going, I guess. Yeah, and even though the show doesn't have a hard time limit, we do all still have lives, <laughs> you know? As we, do you. <laughs> yeah, we have places to be. It's one of those things. Maybe one of these days we could do a bonus episode where we just answer questions for a couple of hours, maybe, if yeah. people would want that, if we can make time and schedules to do it. But, yeah, I mean, you know, or just I'm when there's trying. a slow news week, we can exactly. focus that, on it. Yeah, when there's a slow news week, but we don't have Max Scoville making us talk about dicks and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, Max makes <laughs> us talk about dicks. He's such <laughs> he, a bad influence. Okay, he's, he's an enabler. He's an enabler that like encourages us to do we were, nothing we but were all talk about dicks. sunshine and puppy dogs until that Max came along and corrupted us. Well, we never talked about um, we never talked about like Futa or furry porn before well, Max turned up. <laughs> Max is a, Max is an enabler. But um, anyway, questions. Uh, where do we want to start? Um, let's start with let's start with one that Gavin has. I think we all have some pretty big disagreements with kind of what's being posed in this question. So I think it's an interesting one to ask. Um, Brandon Williams wants to know, do you think giving a game a perfect score diminishes the value of video games? Giving a game a perfect score. And he kind of tacked on at the end. It's like, um, 
does saying that a video game is perfect like is and, that something and, that d yeah and therein lies the fallacy because when mm. people give a game a 10 they're not saying it's perfect they're saying it's fucking awesome and it's in the top tier of games that's all they're saying mm. for me they're not 10, saying it's perfect a 10 represents it, the current top of the genre the yeah. current yeah. the current thing that other members of that genre should be looking to beat um, Indeed, it's the mountain. And it's the new mountain to climb. The, the assumption that it's it's almost like the opposite of that scene in Spinal Tap, where he's like, "But please go to 11 Yeah. So, but why don't you make ten louder? <laughs> I have a go to that. No, these go to eleven. These go to so 11. So basically, think of it that way. A perfect game gets mm. an eleven. Okay. It's <laughs> it's it's interesting. Like I think for most review uh, rubrics, the ten basically stands as your either the high bar for that genre or as like the the flaws that it has are so minimal when compared to the excessively amazing things it's doing in other regards that the flaws do not in any regard detract from the experience. They're present, but that they aren't like a detractor in a any perfect regard. Perfect 10 game, you know, just like, you know, Duke Nukem Forever or Resident <laughs> Evil 6 or... Yeah. Well, it's like I gave, um, on Destructoid, I gave her story a 10. And for me, that's not because that game is perfect, but because there is nothing comparable to it that is doing the same thing. It is a genre unto itself, and it is the most polished example of what it was trying to be that I have seen. And I was like, it's hard to uh, say something bad about. Gears of War Ultimate, I think, is a really good example of this reasoning because that that when that game came out, I think that game would have been a ten Gears because it was nothing like it. But now we're so used to that kind of gameplay and that kind of style that it would be hard to give it the same rating in the yeah. in the current arena, you know? And, yeah, and that's the thing, is when, when Gears of War was released, it was very much like, this is the high bar of this particular genre, whereas you release it now, it's like, there are certain things that weren't detracting factors when it was initially yeah. released, but when you release it now, yeah. it's like, okay, it has been outdone by other things in the genre, therefore those things are now more criticisms. It's The like, review score is... is less a stone tablet and more a snapshot of the era that it's given yeah. Yeah. and 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 one problem i always have with people who say that a 10 should never be used it's like but all you've done if if we have a 10 point system yeah and you tell us the 10 shouldn't be used all you've done is given us made, a nine point system yeah, you've, and you've made, made the, nine, fair, the new people ten. who say t- a 10 shouldn't be used are saying something very very stupid and should probably be ignored yeah, so let people Sorry. use tens when there are amazing video sometimes games. people say really stupid things and it's best to ignore it when yeah. people say really stupid it, things it really does just become so reductive because it's like well then the nine becomes the new ten and then we can't yeah. use that so then the eight becomes and eventually you just whittle down to having no room everything's a one which i know some people want to have happen um but some of us like using review scores so that's why yeah. i do them I'm trying to think of the last game i played this if I were a reviewer, I would give a 10. And I think probably Bayonetta 2 was the last one that I can... I, I can see that, yeah. There's, there's, there's been a few over, over the times. Gravity Ghost is one where I, d- I don't want to put a number to it. Mm-hmm. I think it is one of the most mm-hmm. amazing things I've played in recent years. But I don't want to put a number on it because like it feels like a number would devalue what right. I was saying in the I review. And sometimes that. that's and then, the case. That, you know, some people have that philosophy. Yeah, it's usually I'm like... 
I think the difference between something like Her Story was, Her Story, the text of my review is hard to sell on why this game is a 10, because you're like, hey, this is a game where you just watch videos and decide for yourself what happened with the thing. It's a 10, like, giving it a 10 out of 10 there said something very definitive about what I felt about it. Whereas with an example like something, gra- something like Gravity Ghost, the reason I didn't feel I wanted to put a review score on that is like, I feel here like the number is less important than the words and the words I'm using should convince you that this is something of a very important caliber. Mm. And like, it's just, it varies case to case for me, whether I like review scores or not. Generally, I think they're useful. Sometimes I feel like they can be counterproductive. Yep. Definitely. There we go. Got there in the end. <laughs> Especially when you do the, the terrible sin of, you know, not giving a score similar to what everyone else gave. Yeah. I've felt that before when I've done some review scores. Mm. They're fun. Anyway, what other questions do we have? Um, Arlo Milich wants to ask, what, if, what are your favourite music videos? Hmm. Oh, mm, interesting. Anything well, by Kate Bush, really. For mm. Anything from Kate Bush in the, in the late 80s. And of course, I, I think everyone would agree Sledgehammer is like... Oh, the it's the fucking... Bu- that's, the, that's the pop song, man. Sledgehammer yeah. is the song, you know? <laughs> Peter Gabriel's just fucking badass all over. He is, yeah. The only one that comes to mind for me on this question was um, My My Chemical Romance's Na 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 music video, which was just a very over-the-top, like, um, comic book um, pop-arty thing that just worked very well with the sort of very energetic nature of that song. I think it captured it captured the mood of that song really, really I well. Am sh- I am utterly shocked that you picked something I, with I Jared Wayne. I was it. trying not to. I was trying not to, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I can't. I can't not do it. Apparently. Well, I, I picked Kate Bush as always. So you yeah, know. exactly. Um, Mike Michael Jackson, all his early videos. Were Actually, fantastic. yeah, a huge um, pioneer in that uh, thriller, thriller and bad in particular. Yeah. Um, Even Speed Demon with the animated rabbit dude. What's the one? Um, I, I can't think what the name is. Um, they don't really care about us. Um, All I want to say is, is that, that they don't really, really care, care about, about us. <laughs> yes, that had a fantastic video. I loved the video for that. I think, yeah, that was the moment, though, where I felt like Michael's ego went out of control in that video. It did video. go kind of out the of control. The bit where the police was... are, like, attacking him and he pretends to fall over and, like, all these, like, kids pick him up off the ground. I'm like, Here's the thing. Sake, One video beyond that, I'd agree with you. I think that was the tipping point where I was like, this is the last time you can get away with having that much yeah. of an ego. And I loved watching, I loved watching, like, the peak before that. Yeah. I liked, uh... um... <laughs> You know, I like that the one from Rock DJ, the one that got banned and censored. Yeah. Rob, <laughs> Robbie Williams is where he's he's stripping for those women, and then eventually starts taking his well. meat off. Oh, I really like the music video, and this is going to sound really stupid for Eiffel 95's Blue. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> I so fucking awesome. Before school every morning. On the box, when the box was still a channel. Yeah, it's it's the fucking, like, those CGI blue aliens, uh, there's something mesmeric about them. It was a, I mean, you look back on it, because I rewatched it recently, it's fucking shit now, but... It's it's shit, but it's endearingly shit. Um, (laughs) Dire Straits, Money for Nothing. Yeah. Hell yeah. Nine Inch Nails, Closer. Mm -hmm. An absolute beautiful masterpiece of a a video. It's, like, very dark and very sexy and very... uh, just kind of not really disturbing, but a little bit unsettling, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I like Genesis's uh, Jesus, He Knows Me. 
And they knows I'm right. Oh, the park, right. talking to the, Jesus. The video for Park Life. life. <laughs> the video for Park Life is fantastic. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, on the Britpop, Pulp's video for Misshapes is a really good one. Uh, Misshapes is one of my favourite songs ever, and the music video is. It, it's oh. just classic Jarvis Cocker, really. It's him at his best. I'm I'm blanking, but what's the music video where uh, the the actor um, he's doing the dancing and then he jumps and flies off into the sky? Um, oh, it's uh, Fat Boy Slim. Fat Boy Slim, yes. Oh, what was Christopher the song? Walken. Yeah, it's one? Christopher um, Walken does his dance. Um, and... Weapon of Choice is Weapon of Choice. That, yes. Yeah, that is one of the undeniably one of the best music videos yeah. ever. Just complete turn uh, to something very different. I think the 2000, I think it's like 2002, the video for um, for Johnny Cash's Hurt. Oh God! Very, very mm. somber in tone. It's when but his, it's, his, his hand is shaking mm. on the piano. It's like, yeah, oh it's, Jesus Christ, it's my just, heart! It's such a goddamn poignant, emotional even, song. Even Trent Reznor admits that, that that was the best version of the song. Yeah, Christina Aguilera's "Dirty." <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what? There's so I could talk about these for hours, but I'm, that's the way I'm not actually giving that many suggestions because every time I think of one, I think of five others. You know, yeah, there's, there's there, every time we ask for questions uh, since the time we did music chat, there are people who ask for um, for Gavin to start his own music podcast without the two of us, and I still think that it's a thing Gavin should I do. I would have to find the right person to do that with. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, I should talk to like Dan Bull or someone about that. that oh really yeah, cool. <laughs> I suppose we should give a token shout out to the fucking. Um... What's it? Okay, go on their treadmill. Oh, it was clever. It it was unique at the oh, time. And, and t- and every single tool video, <laughs> just every single fucking one of them is a masterpiece. And that recent one that Tommy Wiseau directed, <laughs> he directed what? a music video and it was shockingly competent. The music itself really? was, was very generic, yeah. but it was well filmed. I want to see Tommy Wiseau direct a tool video and you know they would probably let him do yeah. it. Another it music video that's really so. worth watching is a... Um, a Fallout tribute that someone released yesterday. Oh, I, I, I think I, I was wondering how morning. long it would take for you to think of this amazing song that you saw. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. I, I think it was called Going Nuclear, and it did kind of go nuclear on social media yesterday. Oh, it's 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 from this person. Like, oh, no one's ever heard of them. They, they, they their stuff's hit and miss. But this one was all right. Yeah, Miracle of Sound. Uh, yeah, mir- no, it's pronounced Miracle of Sound. Suwand. Miracle of Suwand. Yeah, yeah it, it was on the Fallout Facebook page yesterday. That's where I saw it. <laughs> yeah, that that is Gav's uh, latest song, "Going Nuclear." It, it is. Ga- Gavin, Gavin did a thing. It's a joyous yeah. song. I do recommend. It's that. very, very popular. <laughs> um, more, more questions we have this week. Um, J. Charles Jacobson wants to ask um, if the three of us had to pick a console exclusive that we'd like to see have a flawless PC port. What game would it be? Bloodborne. Yeah. Bloodborne. Gonna have to go with Bloodborne. Bloodborne at 60 FPS? Yes, please. He, he, he put a thing in his question, I will point out, that I didn't have here, which said, no picking Bloodborne because it's the obvious choice. <laughs> and I didn't pick it because I was like, I'll trust you two. You two can, you can, you can be a bit more creative than that, but no. Oh. Okay. What, what, is, um, what games aren't Bloodborne? I don't know. Can it be a last-gen title, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah, it could be a last-gen title, because the first thing that came to my mind was Nintendo games, because I was like, there are some Nintendo games that I would love to see on PC with high-resolution and modding support, and I would fucking love to see that. So pretty much any good Nintendo game, I'm like, yeah, give me a flawless PC. I think all, all the Naughty Dog games 
would be awesome if you could play that on PC. Ooh. Imagine how good yeah. looking they'd be. Killer Seven. Oh, yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah, that's what I. Or want. no, no more he- no more heroes. I would argue no more no heroes, more heroes as, well as well is very sort of. Good. I I would like a nice PC port of No More Heroes. Actually, yeah, No More Heroes isn't exclusive anymore. It came to other stuff, so. Yeah. And actually Bayonetta 2 as well, because actually, it's yeah, an Killer awful shame that game probably didn't sell as much as it should have due to being an exclusive. Yeah, but equally, I understand why it was exclusive, because Nintendo, like, pumped money into making oh, that yeah, able to Oh, yeah, I understand why, but it just fucking sucks, because <laughs> that, that game will not have the legacy it deserves. Yeah, I I agree. It will be forgotten more th- more quickly than it should be, which is unfortunate. Um, we've also got uh, Tucker asking, what's your favourite alcoholic beverage to drink if you had a fully stocked supply and wanted to just treat yourself to something really nice? Like, what would be the ultimate thing you could be drinking right now? Um, just a very uh, nice Sauvignon Blanc white wine, I think, is usually my favourite. Very, very sophisticated tastes. Not really. I mean, it's, you know, a very easy wine. Like, I don't know how to describe the words. <laughs> but you're, you're talking Sauvignon to me Blanc Laura, tends, though. Tends so to be Sauvignon a very, Blanc or just impressive? It te- well, look at it this way. It's a very gentle wine that's easy to drink for people who don't have very... Um, you know the way some wines can taste very acidy mm. and kind of, mm. like... It's, it's just a very easygoing wine. And, yeah, it's a real, real, real nice kind of fruity mm. kind of. I, taste. I feel like my my sort of favorite drink of choice, if I were going to make myself something right now, is really weird and specific by comparison. So what you would do for this is, um, it starts off as something called a purple rain, which is the thing you can get in um, in like uh, Weatherspoons in the UK, which is um, blue sirocco, cherry sours, and lemonade. And then what I do to this is then add in like a big old splash of um, the sort of concentrated Vimto and then a splash of vodka in there as well. And that turns out into a really nice fruity blackcurranty alcoholic thing that I really, really Laura, like. Actually, you know what you really have to try on the podcast what? some week? And this isn't gross at all, but the uh, the branded Iron Maiden beer. Ooh. It's called Trooper and it's actually a really If good I can beer. get some, I will try some on the show. You should be able to find it in like any local off license. I will. I will go have a look for some trooper. If I can get it in my off license, <laughs> two doors down in fucking Cork. I, I will have a look. <laughs> you can I'll get have it a look in tonight, England. probably, and see if I can find it on the, any of the. It's a surprisingly, uh, surprisingly tasty yeah. beer, actually. Um. So yeah, what about you, Jim? What, what's your drinker choice? Wedding cake martini. Done. <laughs> There we go. Fair it's pink, enough. it's fruity, it's foamy. It's everything I strive for. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> so, uh, interesting question from, I, I'm sure I'm pronouncing this name wrong, um, Jasper Singe on Twitter. Has there ever been a game that's made you flinch due to its depiction of violence? And this is one that Gav picked out this week, so I'm curious if he's got an answer for this. Absolutely. Um, the one that, there have been a few, but the one that immediately springs to mind is Manhunt, mm. which I honestly think is an incredible masterpiece but a lot of people disagree with me on that but i think it's a game about how ugly violence is and it it does not flinch away from showing you that and making you be a part of it and i think it's so uncomfortable but it does exactly what it sets out i completely agree like manhunt is a staring contest of a game it is trying to dare you to flinch first and its entire point is to be like you should not be enjoying this. We're going to push you until you no. stop enjoying it. And and, and that's the yeah. whole theme of the story in the game mm. as well. It's, you're being forced 
to do and this. It's, you know? Yeah, like not to say at any point that like we don't think that that violence should have been in that video game or anything like that. But just oh no, it, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, the, the point of that game was that it had to make you uncomfortable with its use of violence. I don't think I've ever walked away from a game feeling so kind of disturbed <laughs> mm. as as I did with Manhunt, and also the fucking torture scene in GTA Five. I know mm. I, people have a lot of opinions on that, but I just could have really done without it. Well, the, yeah, it was not. Yeah, GTA Five's like it was hands off enough that you could kind of you could flinch away at certain things and not have to experience it the same way you did with something like manhunt but there were times where it felt like that scene possibly yeah it was uncomfortable to experience and it was they did make a clever point of it after the Mm. fact with trevor's speech but i i just thought you know it just for me it's at that point of the game it soured me a little it's it's a point i've made about like some similar topics like it's the same sort of complaint i had about the end of um, life is strange episode two where it's like, it's all fine to have whatever situation and then critique it afterwards, but that assumes that the person is going to get through that whole experience in order to see your presentation of the critique of it. And mm. there is this sort of expectation of, yes, the game does critique its own use of violence, but you have to get through the violence that seems very self-serving in order to see the critique. And that's a bit of a problem with how games are put together, potentially. To pick a recent one, um, and just because I've been playing it uh, this past, well, last week, uh, Until Dawn, some of the death sequences that you might unlock through your choices really are like, like in a camp, in in the same way that, you know, the violence in Saw might make you flinch. Yeah. Like, it's not like I feel upset like like one would be playing Manhunt. But it really is just this ooh kind of oh that's yeah that makes that you shudder and well, how, it's a kind of popcorn chewing. How kind does of that shot. game work, by the way? Is it like a Telltale game in the way it's, that it's structured, or is it more interactive? Imagine imagine a David Cage game, but okay. great. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, but a story a story that isn't incomprehensible drivel and. Yeah gameplay that actually has a lot of the promised consequences um yeah. and it, it it really is a game that as as has been said this past week out quantic dreams quantic dream mm. um in fact in my review i said that uh, it is the game it's it's the game david cage has been trying to make for the past few years mm. uh, except it's it's also just got this beautiful understanding of horror movies and as someone who loves horror movies mm. uh, it it's it's been it's, a joy. Is it, a, is it an exclusive or? It's PS4, yeah. Yeah. PS4. It's it's oh. it's a very interesting game because I personally tonally prefer Quantic Dream stuff, even if it is definitely flawed. Like I can say that um, that Until Dawn is definitely a more polished game and is a better game. That doesn't stop me personally preferring Quantic Dream stuff as flawed <laughs> as it is, and as much as I scream about how much I hate certain things that they did in Beyond Two Souls. So, yeah, that's... That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, b- before we sort of wrap up, do you mind if I do a little bit of audience appreciation chat that I kind of want to do this week? Oh, I was worried you wouldn't get to it, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was going to... I wasn't sure where was a good place to put this in. So, um, yeah, I haven't really planned out what I'm going to do here, but this is a bit of just me talking to the audience. Hello, audience member. I just want to say thank you. Um, I've had a bit of a rough week this last week. I went on someone else's podcast and got reminded of the fact that sometimes the internet is not a fun place to be for me um as someone who's a trans woman in the games industry 
there's a lot of places on the internet where I don't feel welcome and where I am made to feel like I'm not really welcome. I just, I just don't feel comfortable in a lot of places. And I just want to thank this community because it's really amazing to me that we have a show that has tens of thousands of weekly listeners where I feel comfortable and safe and like there is an audience that likes me and cares about my work. And that's a really, that's a really touching thing. Um, like it, it took me going to a different producer's audience recently to remind me that this isn't what the whole internet is like and that not every community is as, is as lovely as the community that seems to have built up around, around podquisition. So I just want to say thank you. Um, you're all lovely and I thank you for making, for becoming a community that I am not only proud to be involved with, but that I have never not felt comfortable being interacting with. There has never been a time where I felt like I've never said like the podquisition audience isn't a safe place to be. It's like, no, it's a lovely place. And I just, I don't want that to be ever to ever be understated. I think that you're a lovely audience and I really appreciate how wonderful you all are and how lovely you're you are. So thank you for being you. They're a very accepting audience and they're very good to us. Yeah. It, can, do you mind if I add something to that, Laura? Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I went over to the, uh, <clears throat> to the Reddit page for the podcast and it might also just be worth thanking like the vast majority of people oh. in that audience were completely yes. supportive and were like, just get rid of these trolls. They're assholes. Yeah. Like having, having been on the, f- the forefront and seeing the amounts of stuff that had to be moderated. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I, I should probably just mention it. It was, um, I went on co-optional last week and uh, yeah, I, what I will say in that audience's defense as well is that, the vast majority of people there, once they realised what had been happening, were absolutely lovely and sort of stepped up. They to, made a bus for Laura, uh, thread. <laughs> oh God, yeah. And my my favourite thing is there was a whole wall of people from that community who actively kept an eye on my Twitter and were making sure that people were getting blocked before I had to see people, before they even popped up on my my feed. So there were absolutely lovely people in that community. That's not to be understated, but equally, I sometimes forget outside of Podquisition quite how. Like the that vocal minority that can be really upsetting to interact with do still exist in other communities. And I feel really, really amazed that we have a community here where that vocal minority doesn't seem to exist. Mm. And now that I've said that, I've probably jinxed myself or something, but it is really rare to have a community where you can say like, not only are the vast majority <laughs> of people amazing, but that... I can't remember any I can't remember the last time that anyone connected to this community said d- did anything to upset me and that's a lot to be said so just thank you for being lovely everyone that's not a lot more I can add I mean I'm, I'm very proud of the the audience that we've built up over the past year and and I'll say because because I I was on co-optional um, yesterday mm. I was scheduled to follow you and I will just say what I said there. Uh, towards the end of that show that I will not I won't hear a bad word said about Laura like I won't like this is we're talking about one of the hardest working people that I've ever met in the games media industry um someone who I specifically chose to be on this show because basically I love hearing the sound of her voice I love hearing her <laughs> yammer on about butts um I love the discussion she brings to the table mm-hmm. she, she bring she brings to the table um <laughs> Part yeah. of the reason I chose the cast I chose, Gavin and Laura both, is I wanted mm. 
I wanted a good reason to speak to two very good friends and two very <laughs> uh, nice people every week. And yeah, like I, uh, there's absolutely no tolerance for the kind of remarks that were being said. Uh, certainly in that, I know in that community now, and certainly in, in this community we have, there is absolutely no room for it. And if anyone wants hmm. to bring that shit up on the gymquisition.com, on the SoundCloud page for this, uh, basically anywhere where I have any fucking say, you will not last in my community, hmm. among my audience. And I don't think any decent member of our audience, which is the vast majority of them, will ever miss you. So, yeah, um, not not to suddenly go from all the good vibes to me being all harsh mistress, but ultimately, I, you know, everything Laura said, I 100% agree with. You You have just been wonderful. Um, it's because of you this show exists and flourishes. And, and yeah, it, it's such mm. an, an accepting and, and open-minded audience we have that... Let us that, that we we will have a conversation about furry porn like we did last week, and it's just par for the course, and that's such a rare thing. But even even yeah. even when we don't like, even when we don't agree, because we we often have different opinions on things, on political ideas and stuff, and our audience just doesn't ever seem to react in a very aggressive and angry way to that. You know, they're not like screaming on subreddits about us, and mm. I you know thanks for that. Yeah, I mean yeah. for. For, for a brand exactly. that's been built on on outrage, Filth. I mean the gym the gym position as a brand is, you know, it's me angrily ranting a lot of the time. Um, I don't know whether it's because mm. that show itself provides an outlet for people's boiled piss and vinegar, <laughs> but it has translated to a lot less boiled piss and vinegar in the actual community that follows um, this brand of work and mm. and. And yeah, I, I just, yeah. I couldn't be happier with it. And I'm, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, mm. I'm personally proud that that you do feel at home where you are here with us, Laura. So, yeah, it's, it's. I never could have expected this kind of reception from this community, and it took sort of going somewhere else to remember, like, no, this, this sort of universal support is not par for the course everywhere. And as such, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone. Also, like, kind of while we're doing the serious stuff, other bit to maybe get out of the way, because I, I kind of did a I did a post about this this week, um, about sort of the brand that I have on this show, and I think it's probably worth, you know, mentioning some of this stuff here, just because a lot more people listen here than read, like, the stuff that I post. But, um, yeah, kind of regarding the, the way that I am on this show, it's worth noting this is not something I ever sort of really expected. Um the sort of Laura K. Buzz character, as it's kind of come to be, is something that was kind of kind of grown out of out of a desire to do something unique and to sort of to to try something new. Um, it's a very intimidating thing being invited to be on a show with like, oh yeah, you are a relative nobody in this industry. Come be on a show with Jim Sterling and Miracle of Sound. That's a that's a scary proposition for for anyone, particularly when it's like, oh yeah, I am a member of a minority group within this medium. Yay, that's scary. And it was very much like a thing of having listened to Jim's previous shows. There was a certain amount of like, I know that if I go in being the sort of calm person that I would normally probably fall into the role of being, I would probably end up in the position Gavin's ended up in. And there's not to say any, there's anything <laughs> wrong about no where Jim... No one wants that. 
<laughs> no, and not not to say there is anything wrong with with Gavin's position on the show, but it would have been a very easy position for me to have fallen into. I was someone who was very calm and timid coming into this show, and a lot of my personality here is very much built upon. Okay, I'm going to be on a show with two very sort of big personalities. Let's try and like just try and do something unique and push myself out there and be a bit more adventurous. And I appreciate that it's not for everyone in this community. I know that there are people in this community who at times are like, Laura's going on too much about butts and stuff. And it's like, yeah, you know, I, I get that it's, it's something I've pushed myself to do and it's not going to be for everyone, but you know, to those who love it, they love it. And if you don't, then sorry about that. Be aware that it's a thing that I did and that it's serving me well. And I'm having a lot of fun doing it, but that it's not necessarily the entirety of what I do. Did that make any sense? Or is it that worth cutting? It to be I mean... fair, it's like, I don't know, as the, as the podcast has gone on, that kind of, like, it's not, it doesn't come up that often, you know? I mean, no, we found a really good equilibrium. Yeah. I mean, Gavin talks more now. That's, that's <laughs> the thing, is like, to start off any show like this, everyone kind of has very defined roles. And I think as this show's gone on, we've sort of, settled into more of a natural balance because like I think all of us had like there was very set roles when we started because that's kind of how you come into a show like this and it's sort of I think as time's gone on we've all settled into more of like a a balanced yeah and medium that, with that each happens other with podcasts you know it takes a little yeah. while to just get the chemistry going and then then it works because you know I used to get questions on like my ask fm page like why do you let Laura interrupt you so much and all this stuff and it's like well because she's good at interrupting me, so I just I just roll with it. And, but as again, as time goes yeah. on, I think we learn the we we pick up on the cues better mm. of when someone's ready to speak and when we're ready to not speak. And, and yeah, and I've got better at editing it so that you don't have to hear the fact that I interrupt people all the time. I I edit out a lot of my uh 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 uhs in order to make that quieter. Uh, like I have I have no skills with um conversational timing. I have Asperger's syndrome. I'm not I'm not great at conversational timing when I'm in the room with people. Introduce Skype lag and that's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's another thing that the side people don't see is like like Laura Laura's an ed- like I'm terrible at editing anything. Laura's a, a goddamn sorceress with that stuff. I feel bad. This feels like it's becoming the praise Laura half well, hour. I'm like, shut up. I think Be quiet, it's, everyone. it's deserved. Because um, like I said, I mean, you know, one day Gavin might get five minutes of praise. And uh, That's okay. I get enough praise off the podcast. It's good. <laughs> I get but praise again, for I mean, my songs. That's good enough for me. To include you both, like, as, as I said, whenever someone asks, you know, why I make the decisions I've mm. made with this show, like, I... I, when it comes to choosing the people I work with, I don't make bad calls. I, I'm sorry. It's it's one area where I allow complete 100% arrogance. I don't make bad calls <laughs> when I choose the people I work with. And judging by the success of Podquisition and judging by the fact that I leave every single recording we've ever done with a massive grin on my stupid face, I know for a yeah. fact I did not. I made it's, I made a fucking great call. It is it is one of the highlights of my week every week. And to to do the whole praising Gavin for a bit thing... Like, this show wouldn't work without Gavin. I think both me and Jim, the way we started off this show is very sort of like dueling banjos is the only phrase that comes to mind. The sort of like mm. trying to outdo each other in being sort of very like 
over over the top and i think we needed the grounding of gavin because gavin you're you're fantastic at what you do you are insightful you're knowledgeable very well spoken and we needed that grounding when we started this show off and like to this day we still do like you are the person that reminds us to calm down slightly and to rein ourselves in and like this wouldn't work without you and like every week you have amazing insights to bring into this show and it's lovely talking to you every week so thank you Hey, altos, altos and tenors are great on their own, but they sound even better with a bass. Yeah. Okay, well, so, that... There we go. We've all stroked our own yeah. egos for a bit. That was, We're awesome. that was, that was sweet. <laughs> we are awesome and you're awesome. You, listener, you, the person listening right now, you are awesome. I think you're awesome. Thank you for listening. Thank you for putting me in your ears. Uh, thank you, thank you for having us in this little oasis of happiness and kindness yeah. in the um, destructive radioactive desert of negativity that the internet can be sometimes it's yeah. nice to have this little oasis of calm and, and, and now and that kindness. and now that we've been and now that we've been all um serious and calm piss shit balls vinegar fuck, fuck someone in it fuck, fuck shit a, in a duck, beer. skewer it <laughs> shit in a beer there's some lovely shit in a beer someone fan yeah someone did a, a shit in the beer fan art <laughs> of course they did <laughs> so thank you for the shit in the beer fan art um Next, next up, um, me taking two shits in Gav's beer. Got the ante. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. Okay, well, I guess that's us wrapping up. Um, Laura, we've already spent um, half an hour talking about you, but let's talk about you a little bit more. Uh, where can people find out more about you after uh, the show? Shut up. <laughs> you, you can find me at Laura K. Buzz on pretty much anything. Um, Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Patreon, which pays the bills, um, iTunes, Twitch, YouTube, what have you. Other than that, you can find me on Destructoid Monday to Friday doing UK editor things. You can find me on Polygon doing reviews or The Guardian doing interviews every now and then. Okay, and Gavin, you are kind of a pop star. You you are, in fact, um, getting all up on the social medias right now, getting viral, and I'm not talking about your weekly infections. Uh, how can people find out more about the miracle of sound? You can go to Miracle of Sound on YouTube, where the new song is, as we discussed, Fallout, and it's doing very nicely. And follow me on Twitter, at Miracle of Sound, uh, yeah, or Facebook, whatever you want. Come talk to me. I always talk back to people on Twitter. There we go. Yeah. Um, you all know who I am, Jim Sterling, and do check out thejimquisition.com. We've got some really good reviews up this week. We've got uh, Mega Man Legacy Collection, Gears of War Ultimate Edition, and uh, Until Dawn. And we should be having a tearaway review up in the, the like next week, I think. Um, I can't question my fingers for Mad Max. I'm down on the list for it. And of course, I'll be covering the Phantom Plane oh, as when. I feel so bad for that game coming out the I same day as Metal Gear. Man. I know, poor bastard. What but I hope it's thinking? good. Yeah. I hope it's good. Um, but anyway, uh, lots of exciting things coming up in Jim Sterling land. Uh, check out the Jim Sterling YouTube channel. Um, going to try and do a bit more live streaming now that YouTube gaming's happened, and I want to cynically get in on that. So lots of fun stuff coming, but as always, come rain or shine, just like there'll be always someone trying to play Dark Souls on Twitch, we'll be back next week. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.